Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Be able to talk about on the field action 
which you and I both know is the heart and soul of what we do here at Sports City Chefs right now. You got the basketball season winding down. I know we got the Masters coming up at the NFL draft. Tigers playing. I don't. That's true. I can't. You know, listen. Quick sidebar. I. Uh, you, the fact that you said that, man, I, 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 he could finish last. The fact that he's going to go out there, and even if he plays one hole, that's that's just amazing. I, I mean, I'll never forget when he won the Masters a couple of years ago. That was just – it didn't seem real. And it's still in my head feels not real. And uh, I'm used to that transition, Mike, to saying how how great these moments sports give us. Um, you know, there's always, there's always amazing opening day, um, you know, uh, just uh, opening day events. You know, um, I love, I love opening day to me, really, it's not even, um, just the, just the, just, it's, it's, it's a new, it's a fresh start. Everybody's O and O everybody's, um, you know, on level playing ground. And I like how they're doing the opening day scheduling this year. Um, with they they kind of really hit the ground running, um, you know you have the Yankees and the Red Sox on opening day. You have a lot of really good matchups, and, and I'm gonna you know I'm gonna I want to go through those with you, Mike, because I want to talk about some of these pretty wild um, uh, matchups. Is there is there anything to you before we actually talk about specific matchups, Mike? Is there anything to you that just opening day signifies? Just that that emotion. I just want you to talk about it. Hell How yeah, you feel on opening and, day. And, and I, Oh, yeah, for sure. A couple of things, and I'm glad you, you give me a second to mention that. Obviously, this year, one thing different is Cincinnati is not opening at home. But, like, there's something always special about opening day, just the spring. And I think I appreciate it even more after living in the Midwest when you guys probably get up north uh, with it being, you know, colder in the in the winter times. <laughs> but, you know, baseball, freshness in the air, like, just the whole – and I feel like even – except for Oakland – uh, right now, well, but even the even the teams that know they're not going to contend, like I feel like Baltimore knows they're aware, but they also have some young guys that they may see, like Allie Rushman and guys during the regular season this year, so they can see what that next wave looks like. And Minnesota hopes, but they don't know. But I mean, there are very few uh, fan bases that the ones that are going to support that team even come hell or high water, so to speak, are always excited just to see the next crop of guys. Because every year that clubhouse is a little bit different. Or there's certain guys that you, you know, represent your team, you know, that year or whatever. And so it, I think for true baseball fans, there's nothing like hope springs eternal. Everybody's undefeated, as they say. Um, and as we go over this schedule and go through these matchups, so I think just to put it in people's heads, especially if people are listening live, and or if you go back and listen to part of us, uh, I think we should make sure that we point out times, like, on each day, just so people know, like, what what time slots these games fall in. So they know if you're browsing around or checking out the trial, you can, uh, you can see these games or whatever. And so if we hit them in time windows, too, as well, so, like, if we have one or two in one time slot, but if we hit multiple in time windows, it may make it easier to kind of cruise through them. Yes, I think you make a you make a good point. And uh, opening day again Thursday, April seventh, the first pitch of the season will belong to the Boston Red Sox, who are going into New York. Um, well, the Red Sox and the Yankees uh, with Nathan Avaldi facing Garrett Cole. That is a one o'clock start. You can tell very obviously 
baseball you know, made sure that that was their marquee matchup. I got to admit, uh, you know, yeah, you're getting the, um, you know, that New York Yankee. Route. I, 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 as, as we move forward, I mean, my hope for the Yankees is, is sort of kind of going farther and farther down, but that's all right. I mean, listen, it was a, it was a 90 plus win team last year. Uh, I think the Yankees will put up some quality ball, even though they really didn't do anything with the roster. We did see some interesting roster moves, and you brought up something that uh, some news broke today, um, Mike, and I know you'll be excited about this. Baseball's top prospect, um, Bobby Witt Jr., uh, was announced today that he's going to start. Yeah, third base for the Royals. Now, the Royals, it feels like they won that that World Series a couple years ago. and um, they kind of didn't really do much afterwards. You know, they had that incredible bullpen, and then they sold off the pieces. Uh, that was oh my god, was that? Is that twenty fourteen? You knew you were going to win that. It's twenty fifteen. Uh, twenty fifteen. Okay. Yeah, because it was thirty years uh, apart from the other ones in eighty five. That's right. And uh, that see that that's why you're the best. You, you keep me in check on these things, Mike. Um, it, it's it's. <laughs> It's great. I love these young call-ups. I mean, you've got a lot of really good young players coming up there. I'm kind of excited about Jeremy Pena. Um, you know, I, I, the, the baseball right now, they've got a great problem. And that are is, you a Yankees? There's so many good young players. What? Are, are you a Yankees fan? So let's go through it really quickly. Yankees in Boston. All right. Uh, Yankees in Boston. Let's, 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 let's look at what your let's look at what your lineup is going to look like on opening no. day. We don't have to. Come on, let's do it. Now it's a okay. It's a, it's a good lineup. It's a good lineup. Um, let's see if I can I can find a projected opening day um, lineup for the Yankees. Now, okay, so Torres is going to play second, though, right? Glaber Torres is going to play second. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. And, I mean, Josh Donaldson's also going to go over the third. Um, that's that's one thing. Hit, I would hit Josh Donaldson second, too, by the way, in that batting order. I find um, it odd. You know what? I think they're going to um, – Aaron Boone has hinted at Josh Donaldson leading off. He could if you put a speed guy in the nine hole. He gets uh, on base, listen, and then you – Okay, so – your outfield judge Stanton is Aaron Hicks starting out there? Yeah. He's definitely going to start. Okay. So, so Aaron Hicks starts in center field, and then you got one other guy because Judge and Stanton, and one's going to be eight. You'd have Gallo and left. So Gallo and left. And then your first baseman is Rizzo. I mean, listen. Yep. Which I like that. Um, I like Rizzo. Listen, listen, I'm telling you, this is a very good. Uh, these guys get on base, too. Like, um, Rizzo usually has a decent base percentage. He's got some pop in his back, can be more patient. This is a – if they pitch enough, I, and that's the thing that's going to make the difference on how much how much pitching they get. But it, if they pitch enough, this Yankees team is going to be able to score with a lot of these teams in that division. Now, what's oh. going to happen is if you end up with guys banged up, but I think, you know, uh, who plays short for them? You're going to have Felipe that. Over. No, no, they're going to probably, in all likelihood, yeah, have Connor Felipa. Yeah, and he's going to bad nights, and he's got some speed. And so I like putting speed at the Felipe. bottom of the lineup. You could yeah, see Higoshioka at a, at, as the ninth spot, but I think way. you. Hit, I think you hit him eighth, probably. Yeah, I, I would either, but you, you don't know. And another thing, really quick, 
you know, we, we didn't bring up his name, um, is DJ LeMahieu. I don't think, you know, the guy's making, making a lot of money, and it would be really weird to not see him start. But I don't think he's going to get the opening day nod. And that's something I, I was listening to an interview with Aaron Boone saying that, you know, he, he last year, a couple of years ago, uh, wasn't on the opening day roster and still got his, uh, you know, 550, I think, at bats that year. Maybe he got close to 600. Now, Mike, I want to stop you real quick because uh, uh, we got another uh, – we got a, we, we got somebody else here joining us. How you doing? What's going on, fellas? It's Nate. It, oh, yes. It's, of course it's Nate. Yes, Nate here <laughs> joining us on the buffet. Uh, finally got done with work. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you're just calling in the middle of work. Who knows? I'd rather call the baseball buffet than do work, unless my boss is listening. In that case, I love work. <laughs> me too. Real quick, as I say, as I say hello to Nate, uh, let me throw real fast. I think that LeMahieu is going to have a very good year for the Yankees this year. If he gets enough at bats, I think he's going to be good. The machine. Nate, I, I mean, what's I'm up, Nate? Quick. How you feeling? <laughs> how are we doing, guys? I mean, Good, I, man. How you feeling? What's up? Like, what's on your mind? We were just talking about uh, – we started off the show by talking about, like, what opening day means. Anything uh, jump out in your mind or significant? Like, yeah. The part I left off was, call, was calling in sick to work to make sure that I can just enjoy all of opening day. Uh, I mean, that is definitely one of my – go-to things every year. I I take it as my own personal holiday from work, um, hoping that everything's going to cooperate this year and allow me to do that, but that's that's to be seen, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Opening day to me has always been my my favorite unofficial holiday of the year. You know, the cliche, hope springs eternal. Nobody's in first place. Nobody's in last place. Now, I mean, I, I still cling to that, except that it's lost a little bit of its luster the last couple of years as an Oriole fan, but I'm still going to hold to it because we're not officially dead and buried in the basement until we're officially dead and buried in the basement, and that doesn't happen on opening day. And somebody threw a stat out there that I saw earlier today when I was browsing around the internet sphere that the Orioles have, I think, the best record on opening day since like 2012 outside of the New York Mets. Well, and here's uh, here's something else for you. Just because uh, work made you late to the show, let me just go ahead and tell you. <laughs> I actually use the exact. I actually use the exact expression. Hope, hope springs eternal as well, and I actually referenced. Oriole fans in my first thoughts about opening day. When I said even if they're not <laughs> expecting to contend, I said they have guys that like Ali Rutschman that they can't wait to see this year to see, you know, what they have in these guys. And uh like they're they're still looking forward to that next crop of uh of players to root for. Right. They're not gonna win anything this year, but there's stuff there to watch. You know, you get Trey Mancini, he's worth watching. Uh John Means is worth tuning in every five days because you never know. If he's allowed to use enough sticky stuff, maybe he throws a no hitter, or this year we actually have a catcher who can block balls in the dirt, so maybe he actually throws a perfect game. Who knows? There's stuff to tune in and actually stuff to get out of watching Oriole games this year. So there's always something to, to tune in for, even when it's just uh, who cares versus never going to win team. You know what? I got a question for you, Nate. 
and I think I asked you the same thing before we started last year. Who's, you know, Mike and I we're going to go through uh, game by game in chronological order, which is a great call by Mike. Um, but but before I get to, you know, actually I don't think now nah, the Orioles don't have a game on Thursday, so you know we won't we won't get a chance to really dive into that part of it. But Nate, is there any person or people? that are kind of on the younger side that are starting for the Orioles this year that, you know, you're excited to see what they can do and what they can be for the franchise. And unfortunately I asked that both as, you know, what they can do for the franchise as a player or as, as, as a trade option or asset. You know, in terms of like young guys, the, the low hanging fruit there was going to be Adley Rutschman, but because he has the triceps injury, he's and he's been shut down for pretty much the entire spring. It's not going to be him at least to start the year. He will be up at in the major leagues, hopefully fairly early on this year. So I mean, he's the obvious answer. The other guys that you know they're going to start in the minors and hopefully make their debuts are a couple of really stud young pitchers. We've got Grayson Rodriguez, who is the number one overall pitching prospect, depending on what uh, publication you look at. They got D.L. Hall, who's supposed to be really good. They've got Kyle Bradish, who, again, depending on who you read, he's either going to be really good or he's got, you know, future, like, number four status, which, you know, if you told me tomorrow, like, hey, I'm going to ma- – I can guarantee you you're going to be the number four guy in the Major League Baseball rotation. Sign me up in blood. I will take that all day. Not everybody <laughs> can be the superstar. But, you know, guys that are making the roster out of camp, on the Orioles, one guy that I'm really interested in watching is going to be Tyler Wells. He ended the season with the Orioles last year out of the bullpen. He was a Rule 5 pick last season, so he had to stay on the roster the whole way. Uh, He battled through some injuries, but he managed to stay on the roster. Towards the end of the year, he really looked like he was developing into a high-leverage bullpen guy, and through spring training, they've kind of been stretching him out, so it looks like they're going to try and maybe use him in a piggyback role, where maybe he'll start games and then come out in like the third or fourth inning, or maybe he'll be the guy that comes in like the third or fourth inning. If somebody's really not going well, especially early on, because I think we're going to see a lot of major league teams doing this since they had such a truncated spring. And he does have, he does have experience starting in the minor league. So it's interesting that it's going to be really interesting to see how this guy plays out. Is that actually going to be a future for him? And, you know, he actually pitched today in their spring training game against, um, Oh, who do they play? Oh, against uh, the Blue Jays in Dunedin. And of the nine or, of the ten batters he faced, nine batters he faced, ten batters he faced, he struck out seven of them. So you know, the kid can pitch, and he's de- he's definitely got major league stuff. But it'll be interesting to see how he handles being a being more of a starter instead of a reliever. You know, Nate, you you brought up an interesting point, and. Um, I want to ask this one of Mike, because um, I think I got an, a, a flavor for what you're getting at. But the truncated spring, I almost, you know, us being on the cusp of opening day, I've almost sort of forgotten about that to a point. I'm just so focused on, on opening day. But the spring means so much to these players for hitters getting in the rhythm, and especially for pitchers. In my opinion, it's more important for pitchers to really build that arm strength, that consistency. I mean, baseball, like all sports, it's predicated on repetition and being able to do the same thing over and over, finding your arm slots. Now, you know, Mike, I know you're, you know, you're about as hardcore a baseball fan as it gets. Um, how do you – think the 
truncated spring, you know, that, that, that very short turnaround from the beginning of spring training to uh, opening day, how do you think that will um, affect some of the teams? Um, do you think that will, will make the veteran teams better off, or uh, do you think they need more of a spring because they tend to be older? What do you think? How do you think that will play out? So I think that it takes hitters' time um, as the season kind of evolves to really get their timing on breaking stuff. I think the beginning of the season tends to favor the fastball pitchers. I mean, fastball hitters. And I think you're going to see that happen again. I think that it's this first month of the season or so, especially because there's not very many off days in there either. Like, I think the Phillies play 14 straight days and the Braves play 13 out of 14. Um, now, you, you are seeing a lot of teams try to, at least while they have their arms healthy, look at a Japanese-style sort of six-man rotation uh, for uh, a couple of times, at least through the rotation, uh, which would make sense considering that you're probably going to – your relievers are going to get – your relievers are going to get taxed a lot more too because, you know, people aren't going to be as go, able to go as deep into games. Right. So – I, I think that we will be – the other impact of this discussion is is yet to be known, and I think we'll start talking about it in September, maybe in October, when we see what kind of gas is left in these bullpens, you know, when it, when it comes crunch time towards the end of the season. But I think that having the two extra roster spots and allowing teams – theoretically, they can both use them on pitchers. I saw that the Yankees, because of, like, Marlon Gonzalez's flexibility and that he can play several different positions, they're going to take 13 position players and they're going to take uh, yeah, uh, they're, yeah they're, they're going to take a bunch of pitchers right, like 16 pitchers or something ridiculous uh, on their opening day roster, a, a lot of pitchers though. And, I mean and so I think you're going to see with that 28, so yeah it's going to be 15 pitchers they're going to take, so with that, uh, with that twenty-eight that they that they have right now, you're going to see most teams spending on pitching or, or extra pitchers, and you know I I think though that's the one part about the truncated spring. I think the positive part though maybe we may get to see more guys make their major league debut or see what they look like in that kind of thing with that six starter. Like, I mean that's part of the reason why the Reds are going ahead with. Hunter Green. You may see a couple of guys, uh, you know, in, in a couple of organizations, young pitchers that they may give them a cup of coffee just to see how they do, or you know how things turn out or what they look like. Kind of like the Royals did with Daniel Lynch last year. So maybe more. You may see more of that happen in the first month or two of the season too. Um, yeah. No, I definitely get a sense that. Uh, you know, with the rule changes, especially with everything that's been happening in terms of service time. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not going to delve into it, but it, it, in short, they're, they're really making it less uh, easy for teams to manipulate a player service time. Um, so, so, you know, they're not holding players back um, at the beginning of the season. And I do think, especially this year, yeah, you're certainly going to see um, guys – get that call up earlier. We're going to get a chance to see those younger players at the beginning of the season, um, which is great. Although I do, 
and I think this is I'm, I'm going to admit some bias on this one. It's not a bias I realized I had where bigger market teams and really more teams that have money to spend, not even bigger market teams, um, are, are more aggressive when back when rosters expanded from 25 to 40 um, at the end of the season because – you know, it, it's not so much about being able to pay the top guy $26 million versus $30 million. It's about being able to pay, you know, the guys who are 35 through 40. They can throw the extra million and will throw the extra million um, towards younger players, and they can just do it across the board. I mean, you're instead taking, you know, $20 million for your top-tier free agent and instead spreading that across 20 different guys. And I think that makes a huge difference in terms of roster construction. Um, but what we're talking about is those young players now coming up. Um, so I think it's advantageous for teams like, you know, the Orioles or, or the smaller market teams who are definitely, I mean, I say this, take this with a grain of salt, and Nate, I, I apologize if this is insulting, but there's definitely a, a fear of mine that I wonder, and I look at the Orioles' payroll. I mean, according to uh, Sport Track, um, right now the Orioles are only putting out uh, a $30 million payroll on opening day? I, I almost can't believe that. You've got the Orioles at, at 30 at the bottom. You have, um, you know, the Pirates at thir- about 38, the A's at 32, uh, which is it, – it doesn't seem right to me. Um, and the Cleveland Guardians, by the way, are just a hair over $40 million. Um, And then you get to the Royals right about 68. So there's a huge gap between – between that uh, group of, of teams, the Guardians, the Pirates, the A's, and the O's, it's, it's kind of depressing to me that um, teams like that aren't spending. But my, where I'm going with this is what the Orioles are spending and those young players that they do need, um, you're going to get a chance to, to get more out of them at the beginning of the season and then be able to maybe turn them into trade assets. So – um, Nate, actually, if you don't mind, I want to I want to kind of t- divert from where I was going here. Nate, can you just tell me what you think about the Orioles and that low payroll? I'm it. I kind of look at it as it is what it is. You kind because something like seventy five percent of their roster is on league minimum, just because they're all pre arbitration guys, and that's just how they have gone about constructing this current major league roster. And part of that is because they have the like no apologies, no holds barred approach of we don't care about major league wins right now, rightly, wrongly, you know, that's a conversation we can have whether or not there should even, that should even be a thing that a franchise just doesn't care about winning at the major league level. I for one would love to see them win more at the major league level, but I understand why they're doing what they're doing. So, yeah, their payroll is really low because 75% of the, of the team is on league minimum. I'm more like if I'm going to be somebody that's going to get, you know, cranky at a franchise for not spending money, I'm turning my ire more at Pittsburgh who does this all the time, whether they're good, whether they're bad, they're always cheap. And I'd be more irritated at the Oakland Athletics, who, as you said, they came in at like what third lowest at thirty-two million or something like that. Right, 30, thirty-two something and, like that. Yeah. And they have not spent a dime on any acquisitions this year. In fact, all they did was they sold everybody that was making any kind of money. 
Now, maybe it seems a little pot calling the kettle black from an Orioles perspective to be saying this, considering, you know, we earlier this week we did trade uh, Tanner Scott and Cole Solzer out of our bullpen to get some young, to get other, you know, young prospect guys. So, yeah, we're trading away pieces as well. But we also, you know, they went up. They spent $7 million on a really questionable below average starter in Jordan Lyles, and they brought in Robinson Chirinos, and they brought in Rugnetto Doors. Like, yeah, the payroll, if you want to look at just what the payroll number is, yes, it's low. There's a reason it's low. They've told you why it's low, and they've been pretty open about why it's low because the Orioles had nothing really in their farm system. They had to completely redevelop this, and the best way to do that is to get the higher draft picks so you can get better talent. And they've, you know, that's how they've gone about building their organization right now. They basically have to tear it all down and rebuild it all up. Once these guys, the Adley Rutschmans, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, uh, some of these other studs that they've drafted recently, like uh, Colton Kowser and some of their middle infield prospects, once these guys start getting up to the major league level, if, if they get up here and they look like, hey, okay, they know what they're doing, We're gonna, we have something here, you're going to see the Orioles go out and spend. They've done it in the past, and, you know, all – Hello, Oriole fans that I talk to that pretend like the Angelos family and the ownership has always been the cheapest guys on the block. That's just not true. Like they've thrown money around. They've always just thrown money around really poorly. So like if they're going to be smarter about how they spend their money now, I'm fine with it. I don't think that just looking at the bottom line payroll is necessarily the way, way to go with it because there, there are franchises that just have low numbers because it's just the nature of, how the roster is constructed, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I feel, Nate, that that was the same excuse the Pirates used a number of years ago, was uh, that they, when people complained about their payroll, um, their resp- the team response was, well, we're using that money on player development. And if I recall, that was a, a conversation when people were complaining about the luxury tax. Now, I just want to remind everybody, as you're listening to us here on the Baseball Buffet, and I want to get uh, Mike's thoughts on the payroll situation. But first, speaking of payroll, we got to do our payroll. So I just want to remind everybody that the Baseball Buffet is brought to you by the PHI Apparel Company. And PHI Apparel does provide all those cool, unique designs. Make sure you go check out their Phillies merchandise, because when you do, you'll stand out in the crowd. And if you use our promo code CHEFS, that's CHEFS, you can get 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. And if you are, wearing, or even if you're not wearing your cool PHI apparel code, make sure you give us a shout at 929-477-2759 to join in the conversation, and you can follow up on the wild, crazy things that we say. But speaking of wild, crazy things that we say, I I really do like that answer, Nate. It's adorable. Uh, I don't think it's right, though. I just think you have to – you made the point that the Orioles aren't concerned on – uh, getting major league wins now because it's all player development. I'm sorry, but you have to spread across the board. And if your entire franchise, and that includes, you know, major leagues, AAA, AA, what have you, down the line, I mean, you just have to weigh it to a point where your major league team is getting the lion's share of the spend. And I just don't feel that the Orioles have done that. They, they, I, I'm in favor of a salary floor, even if that means there's a salary cap, even if that hurts a team like the Yankees. But we've seen a lot of parity in baseball. And, Mike, I want to ask you, um, you, know, do you, you know, I feel like, Mike, you're more of a true 
uh, baseball fan. Not that Nate and I aren't, but Nate, I know your heart is with the Orioles, and you know that my heart is with the Yankees. Mike, I feel like you have a really good top-down view of the sport. So what do you think of this gigantic payroll disparity when you look at teams like the A's, like the Orioles, compared to what you're seeing happening with the Mets and the Dodgers and, to an extent, the Yankees? I think that was a lot of the talk why the why they wanted to have a floor in those uh, in that CBA that said that this much had to be spent on your team. Uh, listen, I, I will say this: with the organization that Toronto has built uh, now, um, and some of it through trades and whatever else, but with what the Blue Jays have at the major league level, and a lot of it's young. With the juggernaut that the Rays have become, and they're not going to outspend the the Yankees though this offseason. It might not have been very hard, um, and they're also not going to necessarily outspend the Red Sox. So, I I can understand if you're the Orioles at times you're like, you know what, we just got to blow this up and completely put all of our resources into developing, and then take care of those guys when we get them to this level because. We don't have them. I, I, I think that there's a there's a fine line to be walked there, though. In that, do you just because you have to spend this money, do you hold on to a guy like a Chris Davis that you're giving twenty some odd million dollars a year to air condition the ballpark for you, versus hmm. playing? A, playing a guy who maybe is a 4A player or maybe is working his way up that, who knows, can turn into an everyday major league uh, player, whether for you or somebody else. It bothers me to see how much talent comes through good organizations at times and how they just serve as a farm system to, to other teams. And I, I don't know that a, that a floor necessarily does that, but I think it is something like that we definitely have to be, be mindful of. I, I, the one I, I will say this. There's part of what Nate said that I very, very much agree with, and that is, um, I feel like Oakland is just intentionally getting rid of these guys from a team that just was right there on the, you know, at a playoff level team, and you're also asking for a new park. And so, I'm not saying that all. Thirty, forty, fifty million dollar or people that are spending sixty or less, are not all those teams are definitely not created equal, right? Like um, Oakland blew it up for no damn reason, in a lot of ways, whereas Baltimore blew it up because minus a couple of wild card games they were getting trounced every year and they had to do something completely right. different. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I I think that's a really good perspective on it, especially looking around it. But, I mean, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the teams that aren't spending aren't spending, and it's a lot of usual suspects. But, listen, I, I want to continue on with what we were doing earlier um, and continue going down the line, spend a very couple of minutes, very short uh, thoughts from each each one of you guys on the upcoming matchups uh, for opening day. Um, I like the I like the Nate, matchup for the Yankees. Is that the only game in that time slot? Yeah, that's the only one o'clock game. Is the is the Red Sox and the Yankees at one um, Eastern? Okay. By the way. All these times are Eastern. Okay, Nate, just letting you know, Eastern time. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> uh, speaking of Eastern time, uh, the next matchup is at two twenty. 
uh, before we hit a slate of 4 o'clock game. So your second matchup will be the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, who I think were a fantastic story last year, going up against the Chicago. Are they rebuilding or are they not rebuilding Cubs? So obviously i got to start with you, Nate. Um, you're, you're very close to the Chicago sports uh, world over there. So, Nate, please tell us, how do you feel? And give us a sentence or two about the uh, Brewers at Chicago with Corbin Burns facing Kyle Hendricks. How are you feeling about that one? And then toss it over to Mike after. Okay. I can tell you that I will be outside of the stadium at 10 o'clock right before that game starts because uh, one of my favorite baseball-related apparel companies is doing a giveaway, so I'm going to go to their store and get a new baseball cap. Uh, I think, hmm, I think on the year the Brewers are going to be the better team, obviously. With the Cubs being at home, I like Kyle Hendricks a lot. I have high expectations for Kyle Hendricks. I think that the Cubs, I think they went out and they, they went out and they're trying to like fast track their rebuild when they did their whole, you know, little mini teardown when they sold off Bryant, Rizzo, Baez, basically everybody not yeah. named Kyle Hendricks worth watching. Yeah. I'm going with the Cubs. I'm going to take the Cubs to win an right. opening day against the Brewers. I like. I think Hendricks is the better matchup. So with that, Mike, who do you like, Cubs or Brewers? Um, I, I, the Brewers are definitely a better team. Opening day is hard to choose, I, but I feel like uh, I feel like the Brewers have probably seen Kyle Hendricks enough. He doesn't really, to me. I think he'll have some very good games this year, where they'll be. I mean almost some Maddox-like numbers um, in, a, in a few starts, but I think there will also be some that they get, they get to him. And I, I guess I kind of like uh, – I'm just going to kind of go with the team that I think is clearly the better team and go with the Brewers. Yeah, Mike, I, I'm with you on that, buddy. I think, yeah, the, the, the Brewers are the better team, and opening days uh, are where you tend to see your better teams get their first win. I think Kyle Hendricks is the kind of guy – especially because it's in Chicago, can really can really reel it in and, and, and have a great start and beat uh, uh, that Brewers lineup. Um, but in the end, I think Corbin Burns and the Milwaukee lineup will win. Now, uh, the next game is that we got uh, one 405, two 410s, and a 415. So sticking chronologically, I will bring us to a very interesting matchup because the New York Mets are going to Washington. And uh, in this NL East matchup will face, according to ESPN, undecided versus Patrick Corbin. Now, New York should have one of the top two pitching, uh, like the one of the, if not the best, you know, veterans in DeGrom and Scherzer or Scherzer and DeGrom, however you paint it, they're both hurt. So you have, again, undecided against Patrick Corbin in Washington and just not knowing who that that opening day starter is. I don't know if they've named it yet. If they have, when you guys let me know, but um, I, I'm, I'm a little worried about the Mets. I think overall the Mets, uh, the Mets, the Mets, the Mets will be okay. But right now, if you go to their depth chart, I mean, they're only two healthy starters are Chris Bassett and Carlos Carrasco. Not what you want. Um, so I'm just going to really quickly say, I think Washington wins that no matter what because 
you look at who you're trotting out as a starter for the Mets. But overall, I think the Mets are a much improved team. I love what they've done this offseason. But opening day, because that's what we're talking about, I'm going to give the nod to Washington. Let's go. Let's reverse uh, the order. And, Nate, I want to hear what you think about that NL East matchup and then toss it over to Mike. But wait, 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 wait. I see we have a phone number from a very mysterious area code uh, at 717. What's go? Who calls from that number? I'm just playing fun tag on you. I'm going to keep dodging so you can't trace. So you can't trace my call and figure out where I'm you, at. You, you dodgy little little pal. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I was doing that to make sure that your connection was fine and uh, give you a little bit of breathing room. So, Nate, tell me, what do you think of this NL East matchup between the Mets and Washington Nationals? Mets all day. I think I I heard really? everything you had to say. I heard everything you had to say about the Nationals. I just think the Nationals have no freaking clue. This is a team that I get it. It's spring training. Spring training results don't mean anything to anybody. They're completely fake, and you can't read anything into them. Except when you lose a game, giving up almost 40 runs to the St. Louis Cardinals. Sorry, no way. Mets all day. All right. And, uh, Mike, what do you think? Um, so there are times that Patrick Corbin has looked like uh, one of the best left-handers in the game. I don't know if that guy's still there. If he pitches well, I think the Nationals can win. I, I, the Nationals lineup is not uh, is not a bad lineup at all, especially after they added Nelson Cruz. Uh, they're talking about maybe hitting uh, Soto's second to get him more at bats. Uh, so, I mean, listen, I think it's going to be a formidable offense. Uh, the Mets are definitely the better team. I don't know, though, do you start – it has to be Carrasco or, or Bassett. And then you start thinking, like, is Seth Lugo still in this roster who was kind of a swingman for them and pitched uh, deeper into games last year? You start looking at, you know – uh, what does our starters look like past number five? I'll be honest with you, like, um, there have been enough changes to the Mets front nine that I haven't delved that deep uh, past uh, the additions to their team, and I should have since, since these uh, injuries came down. But uh, I, I, I think that this is a tricky series for the Mets because if that NL East ends up being a two or three team race, it could come down to what these teams do against the Marlins and the Nationals. And so this could be a tricky yeah. start to the season. One thing I like about the Mets, a uh, very little thing that I like about the Mets, is you've taken Robinson Cano from somebody who uh, doesn't have to be out on the field. He can be a DH. Um, I mean, who knows what he'll be? I, you know, I feel like the guy is nowhere near what he used to be. But just being able to have that dude Sit, uh, come up off the bench um, and only hit and, and have the flexibility. Um, I'm really interested to see how that DH spot will work in the NL this year. And he seems like one of those guys that will really benefit from it. Speaking of benefiting, I want to see how the Minnesota Twins uh, at home benefit from some of their roster improvements against Seattle's, the Mariners' roster improvements. As you see, Robbie Ray against Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan for the Twins and Robbie Ray for the Mariners. Um, I, you know, I, I, you know what? Let's let's throw this one. Go the other way. 
Mike, what do you think of that uh, matchup with you got Seattle going into Minnesota for your 4-10 matchup? So if Robbie Ray, I mean, obviously, I, I think you're going to tell a lot about it. It's, it's really hard to say until you watch them, and that's what makes it so fun. Uh, but for, so I, I've kind of, as we've kind of gone over these games, uh, I kind of like to to hit on, like, people that are just kind of wanting a viewer's guide, so to speak, sort of things that I'm looking at. Yeah. If Robbie Ray knows, if Robbie Ray knows where the ball's going, uh, this could be a tough day, at least early, for – the Minnesota Twins, like he harnessed, he's always had the stuff. He was able to really harness it last year. So uh, once a pitcher kind of figures it out, you you wonder if they can take what they figured out with them to their next address or if somehow it ends up getting caught in baggage claim and then going to where lost baggage goes to die. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm curious to see what happens with Robbie Ray and how that turns out. I, I think Seattle is definitely the better team. The Twins are one of those teams that could either uh, really surprise and compete with the moves that they made or they could really flop. Uh, Joe Ryan showed us some flashes um, opening day last year. That could be a, like a miserable day, too. I think the weather is actually going to cooperate in Minneapolis, but I, uh, this is a b- bad move by Major League Baseball to put the Twins at home on, uh, oh, yeah. on opening day. It's going to be cold. But I, if Robbie Ray is the best pitcher, um, and so if, if he's dominant, it could be a it could be a, a long day for the Twins. But I, I I think that this this Twins lineup and just these new uh, acquisitions it'll be fun to watch both of these teams and just what they look like and how they evolve over the next uh, over the next few months because these are two teams that could very well be in that discussion for wild cards or playoff spots. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go next on this one because I have a lot of feelings on the Twins. Um, and I made this prediction last year, but I feel a heck of a lot better about this year. I think the Twins are a really good team. Um, I love what they've done, um, some of the little tinkering moves. I think Gary Sanchez will be a really good DH for them. You're not going to ask a whole lot out of them. They've already got their catcher. Uh, Sano at first, good player. Polanco, I think, is a good player. Obviously, Correa at short. I mean, there's you know some de- definitely some talent. Um, I think Byron Buxton. Um, is is a solid, you know, good guy out there in center field. I, I, I know, um, you know, some people are, are a little more sour on him than I am. I actually think he has potential to be, I don't know if anchor is the right word, but certainly be the guy in center field and play better than he's supposed to. Again, in large part because he has a lot of the pressure taken off him. I think the one thing that could hurt Minnesota, oddly enough, this year, will be their pitching. Um, again, Joe Ryan, their opening day starter. But I do think Robbie Ray, I mean, himself, could be enough to ensure the uh, Mariners winning the matchup. But I'm not a bit as big a fan of the, um, of the Mariners lineup uh, as maybe some others are. Nate, what do you think? Hey, real quick, add Alex Kirillov to that twin thing and – those of you that need a sleeper pick, um, especially in only leagues, but against right-handed pitchers, Luis Arias is like a 330 career here. So um, when he can stay healthy and he's on the field, he's a, he's a very interesting piece for that team too. I think – All right, Nate, you're up. Yeah. I'm just taking a look at the Twins roster right now for their pitchers. Since, you, you know, you hit on their pitching going to be questionable. And I remember – listening to 
the uh, spring training game, Orioles Mets or Orioles twin spring training game a couple of days ago, I didn't realize that really the only major issue with Byron Buxton has been that he just can't get on the field. But when he's on the field, he's actually been a really productive player for them. It just like he's really thrown under the radar and the injuries have really hurt him. I still think the Mariners are the better team here. I think the Mariners are going to win, even though they're on the road and it is going to be cold because as you guys said, Robbie Ray is the better pitcher there and in the cold, better pitching is going to, going to win out over the better offense. It, I think if Sonny Gray would have been healthier and actually had a chance to get a full spring instead of just coming in in the last like what week or two that it was that he got to pitch, I think he would have been your opening day starter for the Twins, and I would have made it a little bit closer of a matchup. But then I'm also looking that you know they also brought in Chris Archer, and they have apparently now Dylan Bundy, so they might not be the worst rotation in the world. They're not going to beat anybody solely on their pitching, but I think for opening day, I'm going to go. I'm going to give the edge to the Mariners. All right, I I, I dig it. Um, let's just take some. Uh, quicker uh, looks at some of the other games, some of the other matchups, not quite as interesting. Um, next one, we have Shane Bieber uh, against Zach Greinke in the Cleveland Guardians, I guess the first ever game for the Cleveland Guardians um, against the Kansas City Royals. Um, Zach Greinke kicking around KC. Um, I'm always a big fan of his, but um, I, I just, I look at the two lineups and the two rosters, uh, in a weird way, almost I, I, it hurts uh, trying to figure out exactly what the Cleveland Guardians are um, because, you know, team names. Um, I, I actually, I'll be honest with you guys, I kind of think this one's a little bit more of a toss-up than others, but in large part that would be because of the pitching matchup. I think Cleveland will not be as good as people expect, as some might expect. Uh, I just really like what the Kansas City Royals could trot out there. I'll say the Kansas City Royals win that one and, and probably have ultimately a slightly better season than Cleveland, but I'm not expecting a whole lot in the end out of these two teams. Mike, what say you? Cleveland can really pitch. Can they hit enough? That'll be the uh, the mystery. I don't think so. Kansas City is a young team. Fun to see how they're trying to mesh these guys together. And, Excited to see Bobby Witt Jr. start the season at third base. He may end up at short before the year's over, but excited to see that. Kansas City would be the more fun team to watch. Yeah, I was going to pick up on the Bobby Witt if you didn't mention him. Bobby Witt's going to be the guy to watch in this game, although Shane Bieber is always fun to watch when he's on the mound. The Zach Grinke homecoming and getting the home start for you know, the home opener like start that. for the Kansas City Royals after being away for so long, there's going to be a great storyline there. And I think he, that's going to, even though I think Bieber is the better pitcher at this point in their careers, I think the storyline behind Grinky getting back on the mound for, for his original team, I think that's going to get Kansas City over the hump in this one. Although, you know, it will be interesting to see how long Jose Ramirez sticks around in Cleveland before he gets traded. Speaking of good storylines, the last game in that time slot will be at 4.15 as the Pirates travel to St. Louis uh, as JT Brubaker uh, for Pittsburgh faces Adam Wainwright and the St. Louis Cardinals. And we all know 
who will be uh, on the St. Louis Cardinals roster this year will be none other than Albert Pujols coming home. Um, I love that he's signed a one-year deal. I mean, obviously, he's nowhere near what he was. Um, but, hey, uh, I, I do love that part of the storyline. you got the St. Louis Cardinals saying goodbye to Pujols, Yadier Molina's uh, retirement tour. But you still have uh, building blocks in the team. I mean, Nolan Arenado is still Nolan Arenado. Um I don't know what to make of the uh, ESPN listing Jack Flaherty as their number one starter, but, um, you know, I think opening day, I, I'm a sentimental guy. What can I tell you? I think the Cardinals are going to come away winning that one, and some of the old hats might be, you know, really jazzed up and get that adrenaline going as St. Louis, I, I think, should really easily beat Pittsburgh. Um, uh, Nate, I want to hear your thoughts on that one, and then uh, pass it over to Mike before we look at the three night games. Yeah, I think this one has St. Louis W written all over it. Wainwright on the Hill is the most reliable arm in baseball, even though he is, you know, way past his prime. 60 now? Sure. But, you know, Wainwright (laughs) pitching to Yadi Molina with now Albert Pujols, who can be in a DH role instead of having to be out on the field. No, the, the Cardinals are winning this game. Outside of Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds, I don't even know if there's anybody worth watching on the Pirates this year. And I say that as a like kind of Pirate fan I, with a bunch of Pirate fans as friends and family. It, they're, you know, give the Orioles all the all the uh, grief you want. The Pirates are as bad or worse. The, this will be a St. Louis and a laugher on opening day. Yeah, I'm with you there. Coming Mike, home, what do you think? Coming home, tell the world I'm coming home. It'll be fun to see what Albert Pujols can do uh, for the St. Louis Cardinals. I think Kevin Newman may be a little bit better player than you think as well for Pittsburgh, but uh, that team's a a sham. Listen, once again, this is one of those games the Cardinals have to have and they'll get it. Night games. Night games. All right, we've got the – I hate it. Cincinnati on the road on opening day. It's disgusting. It's wrong. Uh, Cincinnati should open up the season at home every year as the first game. I will rant about that every single year. Now is the time. It really is. I already called that, too. Not right now. (laughs) Oh, you did. It it makes me sick. It's just it's such an easy thing to give to the fans. Whatever. Um, You got Tyler uh, Tyler Mahale versus Max Pride. For Atlanta, I mean, Atlanta coming off the championship high. I think Atlanta's going to win that one. They've got all the reason to. The thing I, you know, I know it's 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 a touchy subject. The thing to me though, I'm really curious to see is how does Ozuna do um, on that team? How quickly will Matt Olson get in there? Will Ozzy, um, you know, continue his his climb? And obviously Acuna Jr. Um, will he keep going with his with his incredible career trajectory? But I, I'm just easily Atlanta win. Uh, Mike, what do you think? All the things you mentioned to me, the biggest thing too is can Austin Riley hold that lineup down as the three-hole hitter because that's probably where he's going to hit to start. I think they're going to hit Matt Olson second um, and then uh, kind of circle through with uh, Riley three, Osuna, Albies, uh five to start the year. Uh, Rosario will hit leadoff. And then based on how that pans out, things will move, shift once Acuna comes back. But can Austin Riley continue his trajectory? He had a really good year last year. Mm. Um, a lot of people were seeing him above Nolan Arenado in some uh, baseball leagues even. Um, and so 
you know, can he continue his climb? Him and uh, Ozzy and even Dansby, this is kind of contract year for him. So, uh, him on that infield. I think Olsen's going to be fine as long as he just continues to be Matt Olsen and not uh, worrying about, you know, trying to be Freddie Freeman. Uh, the the depth of that team will be challenged a little bit. They didn't get Solaire back, and there were a couple guys that they were hoping to uh, maybe bring back that they weren't able to. So, uh, you know, Alex Dickerson right now is a left-handed bat off that bench. So uh, we'll see. Uh, they should win opening day. But I, I'm telling you, uh, this Cincinnati team, it, it, they sold off a lot of pieces. But if uh, if Sinzel can stay healthy, and that's never happened, they could be fairly fun to watch. Joey Votto may hit 50 home runs because he might just say, screw it, swing for the downs. And speaking of uh, interesting people, um, we are going to the 938 slot as we head west with the Houston Astros going to Los Angeles to face the Shohei Otanis. Uh, oh, I guess they got a guy, Mike Trout, out there still. Uh, I think that's actually a more interesting matchup um, than than some might guess. Uh, I think Houston's the better baseball team, but I think Los Angeles has the better stars. Um, and, and the Houston, I, what what they had going for a number of years, I think has kind of been broken up. So I'm gonna I'm gonna surprise myself here, and I'm actually, you know what? I think the Angels, you know, with the star power of Shohei, uh, could actually win that opening day matchup against. Framber uh, Valdez of the Houston Astros. Uh, Nate, what do you think? As much as I love Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, and I love that they're going to be, you know, they're in the night slot or the that night game slot, I don't see them beating Houston. I think Houston's just a much better team. I'm, I'm going Houston on opening day all the way, and I'm definitely giving Houston the edge on the season. And then if this were later into the year, um, and pitcher was stretched out, I might be even more inclined to go with the Angels because I think Shohei Otani could be, if healthy, the best pitcher on either team. So, uh, you know, we'll see. I I feel like Houston's got the deeper lineup and the, and the better club. But it would not surprise – I mean, I, I wouldn't – listen, I wouldn't take this to Vegas. But I think it's a very entertaining game. I think it would be fun to watch. The star power – it's a young Valdez. It'll be a fun game to watch. And our last game of the day will be against two big names. Um, I, you know, who knows what they still have as San Diego Padres go to Arizona as you Darvish faces Madison Bumgarner. Um, I mean, I feel like it's been a little while since either of those guys were just top flight megastars. Um, I think San Diego, though, obviously the better team, better roster. Uh, I, I don't know if you guys know this. San Diego right now is fifth in payroll, um, and they are over that $200 million um, threshold. Uh, very, very interesting things going on over there. Um, you know, with uh, with Darvish getting the start, although I don't know if he's their best pitcher. I think Joe Musgrave could end up being that. But, uh, I mean, that team has is, is, is got Manny Machado on it. I like the addition of McCoy in the DHS spot. Um, so I'm just going to go ahead and say Padres are winning that one. Mike, who do you think wins this game in Arizona when San Diego comes to town? Uh, Padres, like Arizona, is Josh Rojas is going to be out when he's back healthy. He's pretty good with the bat. Ketel Marte is quietly a good a star. Um, to, if Can he put together what he was has been able to do the last couple of years? 
but other than that, this Arizona team's the last place team. If you got to get saves in a fantasy league, Mark Melanson's not a bad bet. Um, as far as the Padres go, I do like this team, and I think Sean Manaya coming over, his manager's already familiar with him. I think that's a very good pickup for them. He could end up being the best pitcher on the staff. Um, you know, this team has very much uh, thrown their hat in the ring and said we're really serious, even with Tatis being down for a while. We're really serious about competing in this division. And I, I think this year they're going to be – in this year, just like a lot of people thought last year, even though it didn't turn out this way, this is a better team than the Giants. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, Nate, what do you think? Man, it just kind of feels like this has to be the year for San Diego in a way, doesn't it? Like, all the money they're spending, you said they're over that two, $200 million threshold. It feels like it's a, you know, go, go big or go home year, and they, I really hope that it breaks out for them this year. Uh, even at the expense of the Giants, who I have a soft spot for, uh, I think they're going to beat Arizona on opening day just because Arizona's not good, and Madison Bumgarner is five years past his prime. But, boy, I don't know that they – I really don't know that they actually are better than the Giants. I think they're, I think they're going to be in it. It'll be an interesting push. I think you're going to get – you could see three teams – out of that NL West, get into the wild card fight again. But if you're relying on you, Darvish, to get it done, you might be you might be relying on somebody that's not yeah. able to get it to you. Yeah, I you know I that that race was was matchable, but I don't know if you're going to see it. And I mean, speaking of the Giants, I mean they had a lot of magic last year. Uh, but hey, um, you know, Mike made a good point. I what we just did there was we rounded out the opening day. Um, schedule, uh, but I do want to take a couple moments, and I'm, you know, uh, we, we've hit our, our, our 10 o'clock spot, uh, 7 o'clock out here on the east, 9 o'clock out there in uh, central, um, so let's just take a quick run through some of the other teams that we didn't get a mention. Um, let's get your guys' thoughts on the White Sox against Detroit. I, I don't think there's a whole lot really happening with either of these teams this year. Uh, in Lucas G. Lito versus Eduardo Rodriguez in that one o'clock start. Um, I'm just, I feel like that's, I'm going to give it to Chicago White Sox. They have a lot of good young players, uh, a lot of guys who got hurt last year, still won a ton of games. Um, so I think the White, uh, the White Sox are going to wipe the floor with Detroit. Guys, uh, Nate, you, what do you think? I think the White Sox are the better team on opening day, but. Detroit is much improved. They are very young. They made some moves in the offseason. They just acquired uh, just acquired Austin, Austin Meadows, Meadows in, a tr- in a trade with the Tampa oh, Bay Rays. That's right. I forgot about that. I if I were if I were the White Sox in the Central, I'd keep one eye open on Detroit sneaking up on them and Kansas City, who's also a young and talented team. That, that's not going to be a walkover division for them like it has like it was last year. Yeah, I, you know. I I will be really curious to see how they do though with a, a full season of of uh, of Eloy and um, oh my gosh who's the other kid out there yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yep Luis Robert um, we'll see we'll see uh, Mike what do you think I think both of these teams are going to be a lot of fun to watch I think a full healthy season of Luis Robert going to be fantastic. If him and Eloy Jimenez and that team can be healthy, I think they win the Central. I think that uh, Detroit could be a lot of fun to watch. So they've rebuilt, and 
them in Kansas City, they're, they're a couple of teams that really rebuilt in fun ways. Absolutely. All right, let's take a quick uh, look down the line. Um, at 220, Milwaukee is playing Chicago again, so we'll pass that one. Then we have the A's, where uh, they have and their gigantic payroll are going against the Philadelphia Phillies and Aaron Nola. I think Phillies are going to walk right over Oakland, um, just like everybody will walk right over Oakland. Um, Mike, tell me if you disagree. No, you can keep moving. <laughs> Aaron Nola, dark horse and L Cy Young candidate. Give me the Phillies. Oh, good. Wow. Beautiful. Uh, and then at 310 on Friday, the highlight of Nate's year, Baltimore comes in with the same record as Tampa Bay as John Means faces Shane McClanahan. Uh, Nate, I got to start with you on this one, buddy. How you feeling about Baltimore against Tampa Bay? The Orioles do not lose on opening day. They will not lose on opening day this year. They may, it may, you know, last year they won, I think, one game all year against Tampa Bay. They're probably only going to win one game against Tampa Bay all year this year, but it'll be opening day. That's, that's, that, Mike, how do you, how do you think Nate's day goes? Say that again. How do you think Nate's day will go in this uh, in this Baltimore Tampa matchup? Um, it's probably not going to be a fun day, but anything can happen on opening day. I mean, listen, uh, there could be a toughy there could be a listen, there could be a toughy Rose lurking in the in the wings for the uh, Baltimore Orioles and hit three home runs on opening day, never to be heard from again. Who knows, man? Like strange things happen on opening day. I'm going to say somehow, some way the Baltimore people have reason to uh, smile instead of crying in their crab cakes and beer. Maybe we'll get a rain out in that ugly, ugly abomination of a stadium. Crying in their crab cakes and beer. That needs to be a t-shirt. Um, speaking of t-shirts, a team that sells a lot of t-shirts and probably will sell the most t-shirts this year will be the Los Angeles Dodgers and their ginormous payroll and that absolute behemoth of a roster. Going into Colorado, who has made some interesting moves this year, I don't see this, again, being much to break down. Dodgers will steamroll Colorado at 410 as Walker Bueller faces Kyle Freeland. Uh, Nate, what do you think? The Dodgers, like you said, win in a walkover, but nobody at Coors Field will be sober enough to understand what actually happened. Beautiful. Mike? Yeah. No, I mean, I think the the Dodgers are going to be what they are. I think they're going, going to uh, – I, I think it's interesting. The one thing to point out with them that I, I think is interesting is that they're going to hit Freeman second in between Betts and Turner. And they're going to try to turn it in the three-hole for a while this year and see how oh. that runs. Um, so that could be kind of fascinating. you got a couple of sticks behind them, so it's almost like you got another uh, – it's almost like you got another leadoff hitter right there. So uh, that could be fun to see how that evolves. Freddie Freeman, of course, won the MVP batting predominantly out of the two-hole. Um, but you you have uh, – you know, you have Betts being a multi-threat guy and then turn it right behind him with some sticks coming, you know, after him that – that could be really interesting to see how that lineup turns over. As we move down the line, uh, Friday will feature also Miami against San Francisco as Sandy 
Al- I always say that's wrong. Alcantara, Alcantara faces Logan Webb. Alcantara, Alcantara thank you. Uh, because you are so nice to fix me on that one, and I was going to go to you anyway. Uh, Mike, I want you to give us your first thoughts on Miami going to San Fran. I mean, I think San Francisco probably wins the game. But listen, Sandy Alcantara is a good pitcher. And the Marlins, I mean, they're going to epitomize this whole expression all year that uh, you're only as good as your next day starting pitcher. Uh, they're almost like Cleveland. They go, they have a lot of great young pitchers. Uh, can they hit enough? I think they'll, they'll, offensively they will be uh, a little bit better than what Cleveland will be. But, uh, listen, catch on to him now if you're not as familiar with him. Um, he's probably still going to play second base this year. But Chisholm from uh, the Marlins is a ton of fun to watch as a player, though. And there's some good players in this game. But, uh, you know, this this is San Francisco's uh, first game. It'll probably be triumphant one in their what will end up being their failed quest to repeat their magic of last season. Yeah, I don't see them repeating that in any way, shape, or form. Um, well, maybe maybe they'll have stretches where they do well. I don't think they'll be as good as they were last year. I think Miami is one of those teams. If if their kids all have good days at the same time, it'll be great. But over the long haul, it'll probably be a pretty long season in Miami. Um, And let's see how many pieces they trade away as the season moves on. I think San Francisco will win this one um, just because, yeah, looking looking at how the season will play out. Um, Nate, why don't you finish our thoughts on Miami and San Fran? San Francisco is going to win this game because Tanner Scott's going to come out of the Miami bullpen and not be able to find the strike zone to save his life. I say this as somebody that watched Tanner Scott for two years not be able to find the strike zone to save his life. Uh, going off something for, of interest in my mind anyway for the Miami though is they did just reach an agreement with how was it Aguilar yeah Aguilar they avoided arbitration with him so big contract for their new first baseman hey good for that um, all right moving on uh, we've got I think two intriguing teams in Texas and Toronto as Texas goes to Toronto. And remember, any team that goes to Toronto and has an unvaccinated player will not be able to play. Uh, And so as the season goes on, we'll have to kind of learn who those guys are. I'm sure we'll notice as lineups are released. But for the purposes of this conversation, let's just assume both teams are full strength. Uh, I don't think it really matters. I think Toronto is not just going to win the AL East. I think they're going to run away with it. And that will start on opening day um, as their young players stop being young players and start becoming reliable veteran players. you got, you know, Vlad, Kevin Biggio, Matt Chapman, Bo Bichette, George Springer, Goriel, uh, even Tescar Hernandez. Uh, I, I, God, it, that team is going to be so good. you got Kevin Gossman at the front of the rotation, and I, it just also seems like one of those teams wouldn't surprise me if they did some move out of nowhere to add maybe another arm in there. Uh, I think Toronto's going to run away with that. Uh, Texas, I like the Corey Seager edition. I think they've done some good things, but I'm just talking about this game. I think Toronto hands them the L. Mike, what do you think of Toronto versus Texas going in Toronto? Again, assume both teams full strength. I think this is a – I mean, I, I think Toronto has been explosive enough offensively. They tried to adjust their pitching. You know, you, you lose to Robbie Ray. You go try to go get Gossman. He's another guy. He got fixed in San Francisco. Can we take it with him? Uh, if Toronto can pitch, they're going to be a problem. 
in that division. They've also been experimenting with that lineup. They were trying to play around with hitting Vladimir Guerrero second and moving Bouchette down. So um, interesting to see, you know, how these lineups come together. But Toronto should be a juggernaut. I feel like that uh, Chapman is a guy to watch. I think he's he is in a much better lineup, obviously, um, in Toronto. And then the other thing that I find pretty interesting to see how it turns out is I think Lourdes Goriel is another guy that can really hit and he's going to very much lengthen that, that Toronto lineup. They're going to be a problem in that division offensively. Can they pitch enough? Uh, will be the, the interesting piece and Kevin Goss has a, has a chance to make a statement on opening day, but that's entertaining. Like I like the Seager signing if he can stay healthy. I like Marcus Simeon. I like the Texas. I, I think that John Gray is going to be very good for the Texas Rangers. I don't think they're going to have enough pitching to really contend down the stretch, but I think John Gray getting out of Colorado, I think he's going to be good for Texas. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of players do well when they leave Colorado. I, you know, I, I in no way, shape, or form blame the air because uh, I think it's a bit of a lazy excuse for things, and we haven't really seen it affect too many guys. Nate, what do you think of that um, of that Texas Toronto matchup? Which, by the way, I will I will let everybody know is the last of the uh, first starts for for these teams here. Man, it's going to be a long year for Texas. Uh, <laughs> Toronto's going <laughs> to just absolutely pound on John Gray, uh, and you know all the stuff about John Gray. Looking forward to him having a good season in Texas. He didn't exactly go to a to a pitcher-friendly park in Texas either. I I think the only headline for Texas that jumped out at me was today they released Brad Workman, and I think that that would be a guy that I would expect to see Mike Elias sign in Baltimore because apparently we just like to sign former Rangers. Now we're taking a page out of the Yankee playbook, and we're just going to grab every former Ranger that's out there. And since he's a <laughs> – since he is a living, breathing person capable of throwing a baseball and we just let go of two bullpen pieces, I would expect to see Workman wind up in a Baltimore uniform before the end of the season. And I'm not going to yeah, be happy about it either. <laughs> that does actually, you know, it's funny. It does seem like a very Baltimore thing uh, to do. Now, that was a lot of fun, guys. I appreciate going through it. Um, I just want to ask one question quick question and I just want the answer who again two days before the season starts who's winning the World Series what's the final World Series matchup I, I think I asked you guys this last week but I want to ask again uh, I still think that the Blue Jays are going to beat the Dodgers in the World Series um, that's my prediction what about you guys Nate let's start with you then pass it over to Mike Tampa over Atlanta for no reason whatsoever, other than I want to see two small markets that make, that make Fred Manfred cry in his beer that he has to market. I'm going to say Dodgers over Blue Jays. Ah, I like it. You've got the same matchup as me. And listen, if that happens, I'll be happy because I'll be right. And that's what really counts. Um, listen, guys, it's been a joy. It's been a pleasure. Uh, for now, we will reconvene on uh, Tuesday the 19th, uh, when we've got some um, actual games behind us. Take notes, have fun, enjoy opening day, gentlemen. Um, and uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Sports City Chefs. I just want to remind you all that the Baseball Buffet has been brought to you by the PHI Apparel Company. And PHI Apparel, 
provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for all sports fans, but especially those great fans of Philly. They have great designs, too, and you'll stand out in the crowd no matter where you are. Use promo code CHEFS, that's C-H-E-F-S, for 15% off any apparel when you shop online at phiapparel.co. That's phiapparel.co. Listen, I have said enough for the lifetime, and for the last time, I wish you all a very pleasant, good afternoon. Sports City Chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on your spoon. They well in tune, bloom like a flower in June. Superman vs. MF Doom, the clouds loom. So tell a friend, it's the Sports City Chefs again. Pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Sports City, Sports City Chefs, Chefs. Sports City, Sports City Chefs, Chefs. Uh-huh.